Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tonight, Joe Biden is making a fool of himself on the world stage and the Europeans love a weak U.S. president. And our RAV correspondent Drew Hernandez on the border investigating where Biden administration is paying to house illegals who come across our border. That's your tax dollars. They have a very nice funded stay in the USA. And another mysterious death has been linked to Bill and Hillary Clinton. We'll run through the list, the long list of mysterious deaths linked to the Clintons that gets longer all the time. You won't believe the latest person added to the Clinton body count. All of that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. Good evening, I'm Dr. Gina. Welcome to Primetime. Even though they're not as prominent in American politics these days, Bill and Hillary Clinton have made their way back into the news. Now, back when Bill and Hillary were more prominent in America, American politics, there was something called the Clinton body count or the Clinton death count, or they also call it the Arkansas flu. But for some odd reason, there's a very long list of people associated with the Clintons who have committed suicide or died mysteriously. And you're probably not surprised to hear that the Clinton body count is still going up. Over the weekend, a news reporter from Birmingham, Alabama, named Christopher Sine was found dead. Police are calling it a suicide. Christopher Sine gained international fame when he put a big wrench in the gears of the Clinton presidential campaign in 2016. As you may remember, all the so-called experts said Hillary Clinton was cruising to an easy victory over Trump. But her email scandal was a huge problem. When she was Secretary of State under Obama, she had begun communicating over an email address that was set up on an email server that she kept at her house in New York. She sent and received a lot of classified information that she had access to as Secretary of State. And when the emails were subpoenaed by a court, the server and her devices were then turned over. Tens of thousands of emails had been deleted, and her BlackBerry devices also held the emails, were bashed with a hammer before being submitted to investigators. Attorney General Loretta Lynch was a longtime friend of the Clintons, but it would look really suspicious for the Clintons to reach out to Lynch since the entire investigation into Hillary's emails was now under her purview. But Clinton had a plan. By sheer coincidence, he says, he landed his private plane at the same airport where Loretta Lynch happened to land her private plane. And Bill Clinton just walked right off his plane and right onto hers. It was a perfect plan. If you wanted to have a private talk with the woman in charge of the government's investigation of your wife, and you land a private plane, private jet, and an FBO, no one would ever know you're there except for the staff. But apparently, one of the staff recognized this meeting and that it was a big deal, and they called a news reporter. His name was Christopher Sign. Sign broke the news of the tarmac meeting between A.G. Lynch and Bill Clinton in that incident, and it revealed, once again, the corruption of the Clintons. 
Now, this email investigation is one of the big issues credited with Clinton's loss in 2016. And all these years later, the Clintons, they have not forgotten. Christopher Sign was found dead over the weekend. And I don't mean to peddle a conspiracy theory. Police say this is a suicide. I'm only here to report to you the news of another name that can be added to the list of suspicious deaths linked to the Clintons. The most famous name on the Clinton body count of lists is, of course, Jeffrey Epstein. The famous pedophile, sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein was a buddy of Bill Clinton's and they traveled together quite extensively to Epstein's private island um, to do we don't know what. And when Epstein was arrested, everybody seemed to know the fate that he would meet. The Epstein didn't kill himself memes started circulating before his death, ironically. And then, even though Epstein was on suicide watch in his jail cell, the guards left him alone for several hours and the cameras outside his jail cell magically malfunctioned that night. Epstein was predictably found dead. The first name I can ever remember on the Clinton body count list was Vince Foster. Do you remember that name? He was the deputy House legal counsel during the first six months of the Clinton presidency, and who knows what he saw from the Clintons in those six months there, but one day he was found dead from a gunshot wound. Police called it a suicide, and maybe it was. But a couple of years later, Ron Brown, former DNC chair, who was also close to the Clintons, said to be cooperating with investigators on some matters involving the Clintons, and tragically, his small plane went down with a few other people on board. And if that wasn't suspicious enough, the maintenance chief at the airport killed himself as investigators were looking for the cause of that crash. And then there was the Ron Brown funeral. Bill Clinton was caught on tape having a great time. Rush Limbaugh was doing his TV show at the time and did a great segment on this. Listen. And spots a camera way over there and just <laughs> watch it in slow motion and you'll see it. Uh, well, here it is once again, bright sunny day. Look at everybody smiling here. See the, the president. You'll see him in just a moment laughing, telling a joke. Spots the camera. Watch the face. <laughs> watch this. Now here comes a tear. We got a tear here. And <laughs> the other guy's still laughing, if you know it. I mean, he doesn't even know. What's going on? We're going to keep showing this. This is the best illustration of the fake and phony uh, characteristics of this man, the disingenuousness of him, and this says it better than most anything we've been able to show you. Good old Rush. Don't you miss him? Another recent death in the Clintons' orbit is Seth Rich. He was a DNC staffer who was gunned down in what police call a botched armed robbery on the streets of Washington, D.C. And the conspiracy theories about his death were everywhere. Now, ordinarily, when someone is shot in the streets of D.C., we chalk it up to the horrendous Democrat policies of the inner cities of America. And that's probably what happened to Seth Rich. But when the Clinton body count just keeps rising when the list of dead people associated with the Clintons gets longer and longer and longer. Conspiracy theories are going to hold more weight every single time. People are going to ask more questions, rightfully so. The Clintons look more guilty every time. There are more names and stories on the Clinton body count list than I could even cover in this show. There are lists out there that are around 40 names long that the mainstream media call conspiracy theories. But at some point, if every one of these people just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, then any friend or associate of the Clintons had better think twice about their association with them. Because if all these deaths just happened to be a series of unlikely events, then the Clintons and their friends and associates are some of the most unlucky people in the entire world history.
We may never know for sure what happened to Alabama reporter Christopher Sign, but one thing is for sure, he will definitely not be the last mysterious death linked to the Clintons. That much you can count on. Coming up, RAV correspondent Drew Hernandez is investigating the mysterious illegal immigrant hotels that your tax dollars are paying for to house government illegals. Thank you, Joe Biden. Are illegals being given taxpayer-funded hotel stays in America just for breaching our borders? Is that our gift to them? We'll get to the bottom of it up next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay put. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Another day of the Biden administration. So it's another day of Biden's America last policies and another day of the Biden border crisis. RAV correspondent Drew Hernandez has been on the border to investigate the latest on the border crisis. And he joins us now. Drew, great to see you. Good to see you, Dr. Gina. Thank you. Drew, you've been investigating Arizona, an Arizona hotel that is housing illegals. Tell us about this. Yeah, shockingly, uh, this is not at the southern border, and this is what Americans need to be concerned with now. Uh, this could happen in your own city, your own state, and obviously your own town. We now have a migrant hotel that is bought and paid for by the Biden administration with your tax dollars uh, that's housing up to 1,200 migrants every 72 hours. They're rotating them, bringing them in, taking them out. Uh, and I interviewed some of the locals, and we got some footage this past weekend, and uh, you can take a look. Drew Hernandez here with Real America's Voice. I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona, where behind me is literally a hotel that has been rented out by the federal government, the Biden administration. If you remember, reports a couple months ago were coming out saying that the Biden administration is investing more than $80 million for hotels, for migrants to be housed in hotels just like this one right behind me. Now, what's interesting about this is this is Scottsdale, Arizona, of all places, but also the max capacity apparently is 1,200 migrants every 72 hours. Now, another complaint that locals here are having is that there is literally a high school just a few minutes away from here. There's a senior citizen home a few minutes away from here, and there's also apartments everywhere you look. It seems really unfair to me. Um, there are people living out in the heat, um, and these people get to be in air-conditioned comfort. They get their meals uh, for free. The homeless camps and stuff that our own Americans aren't taken care of. Our own Americans aren't taking care of our homeless, single parents, out on the streets with kids. I think it's a shame that we don't help our veterans who did so much for us. You know, especially now that um, from the Vietnam War draft, drafted to serve, they went, they didn't go to Canada. There are people who volunteered to be in the military, and we should be definitely helping them as much as we can. And the homeless people that do want help, that are down on their luck, we should be able to help them. So the federal government is absolutely not being transparent with what's taking place here. And the Biden administration has claimed to be transparent. But obviously, this entire building is secure. But there's no guarantee that these migrants will not be released out into the community. There is also a lawsuit by a local that is actually a legal immigrant that is in the works. So we will stay on top of this story. But a major concern and the hypocrisy in all of this 
is that we have literally Americans, we have veterans that are living homeless, even in Phoenix, Arizona, just about 30 minutes away from here, that are living on the streets, living in extreme heat, living in extreme poverty, while we have people that are not even Americans that are being housed in hotels, bought and paid for by the Biden administration, like the one right behind me, while we have Americans literally living in the streets in poverty as I speak. This is literally the definition of America last. Absolutely, Dr. Gina. I just wanted to give a quick yeah. Arizona southern border update. I was actually with Sheriff Mark Lamb at the southern border mm -hmm. uh, last weekend, and I was able to ask him some pretty serious questions. And, you know, I take no joy in reporting something like this, but Dr. Gina, the American people need to know this. We're obviously seeing the drug trafficking. We're seeing the guns trafficking. We're seeing the human trafficking. But what they're starting to find at the Arizona southern border is now they're finding some of the cartels that are running uh, child pornography. They're finding this on these people at the southern border. Mm. They're running it across the southern border into the United States, into the black market, into the United States. And any American that can't sit here and shake their head and say, this, this has just gone on way too long and it's allowed to happen because we have an administration that not only refuses to address it, but to push back on it and put a stop to it. I think people at home need to understand this, Dr. Gina, and the severity of it. And like I said, I take no joy in reporting something like that when you're dealing with something like child pornography being pushed into the United States. But this is the reality of the horrors of the strategic border crisis we are experiencing right now in 2021 under the Biden administration. Yeah, you mentioned the heat. We're talking about temperatures upward of, I believe you told me, 117 degrees um, into 120 degrees in some areas that our veterans are weathering. Um, and, and you compare that to us providing hotel rooms at taxpayer expense for illegals. It's, it's just mind-boggling. And then you add to that what you just now told us. Um, and shocking when you think of you know, we know about the fentanyl. I was with my friend Jackie Siegel, who lost her daughter. Many people know her from the Queen of Versailles reality series and, and uh, Below Deck and other things that she's done. Um, and she lost her daughter and talks about it very publicly. I keep uh, the remedy to fentanyl in my purse because she gives it to me. And I was with her over the weekend, and she's devastated. You know, they made so much progress on things like fentanyl coming across our, board, across our borders under the Trump administration. That's all reversed now. And there's no accountability for these kinds of things, Drew. And that's not even to mention the rapes that we know about, the children being drowned in the rivers that we know about to, just to distract the Border Patrol from uh, the cartels while they do their dirty. And, uh, and the rest of it, it just goes on and on. And yet there's no mention of any of this from the Biden administration. Um, I guess that they're using these hotels as a way to get the kids out of cages, so to speak, but it seems to me like the kids in cages was a whole lot more humane than housing our uh, veterans out in the streets while we give hotel and air conditioning to illegals. Yeah, I mean, you wanna talk about children being separated from their parents? And I say this against the left. They always say, oh, Donald Trump was Adolf Hitler and, and, and Adolf Hitler 2.0 and the Nazi SS, and they were separating children at the southern border. This is what the left will not talk about it. But I'll talk about it because it needs to be talked about. Because what these people have done is they've literally manipulated and they've exploited human beings, especially Hispanics and Latinos coming from these third world countries. You want to talk about children being separated? Okay. These children get separated and kidnapped from the criminal cartels in their own countries before they even make it to the Mexican southern border, okay? And this is what yeah. the Biden administration knows. These people know about these things, but they still say silent because they don't wanna have to address it because it equals what? 
more votes for centuries to come. And that's all these people care about. And it's disgusting, Dr. Gina. These are human beings we're talking about. It really, really is disgusting. Uh, Drew, before we let you go, I know you have your eyes on the Arizona audit. And I also know um, you've been on site watching the audit. So I want you to give us a short update. How many ballots are left to count and how long do we have left to wait on this? Well, here you go, Dr. Gina. I, in real time, I am, I literally just got a text message from some of our insiders on the ground in there. And this is what he said. And I quote, we are finishing counting normal ballots today, but we will be doing quality control things all week, end quote. So they should be done with the hand count today. And we should be seeing uh, some other results. They still have to look at the machines and look at some of the voter registration throughout the entire uh, rest of this month and possibly next month. So that's a real-time update. Just got that text message. Broke it here right for you, Dr. Gina, on primetime. Well, thank you so much for that, Drew Hernandez. Thank you so much for all you're doing, all of your hard work on all of this. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, last night, I was baffled by Kamala's horrendous and embarrassing interview that she did on NBC. If you remember, she made this excuse as to why she hadn't been to visit the border. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this, whole, this, whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. And you remember, I was baffled at that answer because that is the number one question that she and her handlers had to know was coming. So why wasn't Kamala prepared for that? Well, apparently she was prepped on this exact question, but she still managed to botch it. News reports over the weekend cite some very upset Biden administration folks who wish she would just follow directions, but I guess Kamala just can't handle the pressure when the media is tossing her softballs. And then there's Biden. He's also bad at doing what he's told. At the G7 summit, Biden said one of the most embarrassing things a U.S. president has ever said on a stage at an international event. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacob Bloomberg. He's supposed to be the leader of the most powerful country in the world that he and Kamala. Neither one are up to the job. Here with me now, Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Congresswoman, so great to see you. Thank you for being with us. Let's start with the Biden border crisis, although Biden gave that job to Kamala. So now I guess it's the Kamala Biden uh, border crisis. We'll get this straight. Uh, her answer, I haven't been to Europe either, will go down in the history books as one of the most outlandish things to come out of the mouth of a politician. But now that we know she was prepped very well for that question and still managed to botch it, Congresswoman, what does that tell you? You know, I, I, I for me and my family, we get incredibly uh, irate every time she is tossed a softball question and laughs about a topic that is very serious and what I have said repeatedly is when a moment that demands an incredibly serious, thoughtful, intelligent leadership, and it's at your feet and you laugh, that tells you everything you need to know about this administration and her and Joe Biden's leadership or lack thereof. She has this nervous cackle when she feels like she can't answer honestly. And that's exactly what we saw. This notion of, oh, well, I haven't been to Europe. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that we bordered Europe. 
I didn't realize that there was a crisis of epic proportions historically with Europe right now. I didn't realize that we had a 5,000% increase of fentanyl coming over our border from Europe. I didn't realize that there was a human trafficking ring going on coming from Europe. It is absolutely yeah. unconscionable that she is the border czar in charge of securing the border, which is the number one charge of the federal government. And she has failed miserably, and she doesn't even have the courage or the backbone to get herself there to see firsthand. Because quite frankly, we know that it would go against the narrative that they have been building for years, that they think that this is the Trump border crisis, when in fact, this was done with the stroke of a pen by Biden when he signed that executive order halting the wall and by, re by uh, getting rid of the MPP and opening up the borders, telling these folks to come here illegally. And Joe Biden also not ready for prime time on the world stage. He no. keeps repeating this line over and over that his staff is going to be angry with him for answering questions. He said he keeps forgetting that he's president and he accidentally wandered apparently into the civilian cafeteria. This is a major security risk for the president of the United States who should be more adept at these things after decades and decades in public life, right? Well, this is exactly what you get when you elect a man who has campaigned from his basement for an entire year. They kept him there because they knew that if the American people saw truly how bad he was struggling mentally, that it, he wouldn't be electable. So this is where we are at. We went from an America first agenda to an America last agenda. These comments that people say, oh, well, that's very folksy of him to say, well, I'm going to get in trouble with my staff. You don't make those kinds of comments on the world stage representing the most powerful uh, country in the world uh, and the largest economy in the world. You don't make those comments when we are facing unprecedented challenges of every, uh, of every size and scope that we have ever seen. This is embarrassing for the United States. When the president of the United States takes the stage, the world needs to know that we are calm, we are confident, that we are prepared intelligent and that we have a plan. The gaffes that have been made at the G7 summit are unexcusable. They are absolutely ridiculous when the commander of chief, uh, a commander in chief is sitting there making comments like I'm going to get in trouble with my staff. The staff don't run the Oval Office. The president does and he needs to start acting like it. Well, maybe if you can't remember that you're president, he stated that he can't. Um, you need all the help you can get, I guess. Uh, Congresswoman, the illegal immigrant hotels that we just discussed, yes. funded by taxpayer dollars, Drew Hernandez just uh, reported on this. What can you do to make sure that your constituents in your district don't end up housing illegals in their towns? Because we know that those coming over the border are not all families. They're not all safe people. And in fact, we're finding out that a huge representation among the illegals are actually very dangerous criminals. So what do we do? Well, and that's exact. You're exactly right, Dr. Gina. I mean, every town in America is a border town. Every single city in America is a border city. It doesn't matter if you find yourself in New York, Vermont, Florida, Seattle, Denver, every single American is impacted by our open forest border. And in my own hometown of Gainesville, Florida, they're building a shelter to house these unaccompanied minors that have been coming in because quite frankly, the government was not prepared for this surge because no one in their right mind thought that the president of the United States would publicly be saying, 
come to our borders illegally, subvert uh, and circumvent our laws. And so we are seeing it right in Gainesville, Florida. As a legislator, our job is to make sure that we control the purse strings and we need to ensure that taxpayer dollars and funds are not going to house these illegal immigrants that have come here. Because quite frankly, we can't afford it. When the President of the United States is suggesting a $6 trillion budget that we will never be able to pay for, and we're garnishing the wages of ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren already, when we can't afford a basic budget or a basic infrastructure package, we have no business spending money, taxpayer money at that, on people that aren't even U.S. citizens. So we need a total reset of priorities. And under this administration, we will continue to see an America last agenda, so much of what we saw under the Obama years. So it's time that we actually get serious as legislators, Republicans and Democrats, recognizing that the people that put us in office, they are the ones that we answer to, not the illegals that are pouring over the borders that the Democrats want to make voters so badly. We have got to get very serious about spending taxpayer money in a way that is constitutional first and foremost and is the most efficient, transparent and accountable use of taxpayer funds. And I'm telling you right now, the housing of illegal immigrants is not that. In just two days, uh, the meeting between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin will take place. And I'm sure the meeting is going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. He just removed the sanctions on Putin's Russian oil pipeline. For one, he just closed down our Keystone XL pipeline. I'm sure Putin would love to give Joe a great big hug. Uh, Is this the new kind of international relations we're going to have with Russia? Well, if if I were Putin, I would be doing a happy dance right now because Joe Biden is perhaps the weakest leader that we have ever seen. He is very confused. He, like I said, uh, is referring back to staff constantly. Um, he has appointed a border czar who has never, in fact, been to the border. And it's just it goes on and on and on. So he has implemented by executive order with the stroke of a pen policies that make America weak getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline, permanently canceling that, halting the construction of the border wall, or as locals at the border would say, the levee, because it is a floodplain. And yet we, as taxpayers, are still on the hook, paying billions of dollars for the construction that he has halted uh, unilaterally. So Putin has said a couple of things that Biden, just randomly, for no good reason, has said, sure, we would be open to that, which, of course, now the White House is trying to walk back. Saying things like we would do a cyber, uh, a criminal exchange, an extradition of sorts. Uh, on what planet is he living on? State uh, the, the Russians are complicit in the cyber attacks that have been happening on our soil. Dark Side is a cyber gang that operates with the blessing of the Russian government. You do not operate a cyber gang of that magnitude in Russia without having state sponsors. That just doesn't happen. So for Putin to say that and, and to say, yeah, you, we'll give you ours if you give, you, if you give us yours, that is ridiculous. That's just only one of the things uh, that he has said during the G7 summit that makes us, again, look terribly weak and it's embarrassing. You think about his comment about transparency matters most. Okay, well, let's talk about your transparency and your ties with mainland China, President Biden, or yeah. your son's ties with mainland China. Let's talk about all of the things that you have done to undermine human rights around the globe. And let's start with China. 
he made a comment that he said he thinks it's time for us to have a serious conversation with China about their human rights record. Are you kidding me? There is a genocide occurring in China and he that's the toughest talk he can muster. This is yeah. embarrassing. And again, every world leader across the planet knows that America for the time being is going to be a weak soft target because we don't have a man in the Oval Office who has the chutzpah to really stand up and fight for America and her values or even yeah. just basic decent human decency around the globe. Right. So we have a lot well, of work meanwhile, to do, uh, here in the house. Yeah, exactly. In, and, meanwhile, and meanwhile, they build is- their their nuclear arms, uh, China and Russia, and he's not addressing that at all. And America's doing absolutely nothing uh, to rebuild those or to keep up with those budgets uh, on our no. side. So it's, it's terrifying. Um, but Thank you so much for being with us and bringing up all of these great points. Congresswoman Kat Kamek from here in Florida. We're happy to have you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Dr. Genia. Have a good one. You too. All right. Israel just pushed Benjamin Netanyahu out as prime minister. Will the Holy Land survive a weak prime minister? That's next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Back to China Prime Time. We'd like to welcome those of you that are now watching RAV on Samsung TV Plus channel 1029. RV is growing like mad, and we are so glad you are a part of that. I kind of made that rhyme. Kind of made it rhyme. All right, big news out of Israel. Netanyahu is out, and a new prime minister has been elected by the Knesset, which is their legislature there. And Netanyahu blasted the incoming leadership and essentially said that Israel is in big trouble with Prime Minister Nafali. I'm going to say this wrong, Neftali, there you go, Bennett, in leadership, and also said, also he blasted Joe Biden on his way out. I have a lot of questions about all of this. This is new to me. I'm very interested in Israel. I've traveled there, as most of my viewers and listeners know, and uh, have a big heart for Israel. So I want to hear what is going on there, and I knew that you did too. So here with me now, the Zionist Organization of America president, Morton Klein. Mr. Klein, thank you so much for being with us today. This is really, these are really historic times. Uh, we are used to the word Netanyahu being synonymous with Israel. We knew Israel was in strong, uh, competent hands. I don't know that, that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was always the most likable of uh, leaders, um, just as far as congeniality, but everyone knew he meant business and he was 100% there for Israel. Um, Break this down for us. Is Israel in trouble, as Netanyahu said? Well, Naftali Bennett ran claiming he will never, and he said, did it publicly on television with a signed document saying he will never join a left-wing government and that he will never allow an anti-Israel Arab party into the government. He violated both those promises. So now you have an Israeli Arab party in the government, which is opposes Israel as a Jewish state, says Zionism is racism, says Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel. This is an anti-Israel party, which means 
Naftali Bennett's hands will be tied. He only has a one-point majority. So if he does things that Ra'am, this Arab party, doesn't like, they can threaten to bring down the government. So he really can't do substantially pro-Israel things because Ra'am will, will oppose it. That's why Netanyahu says that Naftali Bennett is not in the position to do the things that have to be done. Uh, and he also claims because he lied to the people, we have a, a fraudulent government. Why does he say that? Because 70 of the 120 votes, uh, 20 seats, went to right-wing parties, 70 of 120. And yet the left controls because three right-wing parties had such an intense dislike for Netanyahu, they joined the left in order to punish Netanyahu and, th and throw him out of power. So Bibi says that uh, Bennett simply will not be able to maneuver because his hands are tied. Let me tell you something else that isn't being said. The deal that they made with the left, that Naftali Bennett made with the left, if in three months there's no budget, then Lapid, a left-wing uh, fellow will, uh, uh, from Yashatid, will become prime minister, which means the left could, uh, could really intentionally not, not have a budget, and then Naftali Bennett is out of power, and then you'll have a full wow. left-wing government. So this is wow. uh, really not a good situation uh, uh, for Israel, or really for America, because America needs a strong Israel to offset the extraordinarily hostile, radical Muslim uh, players that are in the Middle East. And we all and know that Iran, he, plays, <laughs> Iran plays a major role in all of this. Um, undoubtedly, from everything you're telling me, from what Netanyahu said, from what others are saying, um, they'll be emboldened. What will this mean? Netanyahu publicly criticized Biden, but rightly so. I'm an American citizen. I want Iran not to get nuclear weapons. Iran has rallies all the time saying death to America and death to Israel. They are 80% of the, of the terrorist groups that are funded in the world are funded by Iran. And this deal that Biden wants to get into will get rid of most of the sanctions on Iran. So they'll be earning billions of dollars in oil money. <laughs> They will continue not to allow inspections of their military uh, uh, facilities, which is where people think the nuclear weapons uh, development is going on. And uh, so Netanyahu, who has said this many times before, publicly chastised Biden that this is a terrible idea to go back into this deal. This is bad for America, bad for the Middle East, and very dangerous for Israel. So it's, it's a legitimate position. Uh, that's why Trump ended all negotiations with uh, uh, Iran had severe sanctions. They were in terrible economic shape because of Trump's sanctions, and they were ready to cave. And Iran was saved by Trump losing, and now we have a party in power that wants to negotiate with Iran. Uh, you really don't, don't negotiate with evil. You have to destroy evil. Uh, negotiations never work uh, with people whose goals are your destruction. Uh, so this is, this is a, a, a very, very serious problem. And Iran, by the way, has already been... Uh, uh, enriching uranium up to 60%. At 90%, you, uh, you already are on the verge of nuclear weapons. They're not permitted to uh, enrich beyond 20%, and they're just violating the agreement. So these are not people who want to make a deal uh, for peace. This is a regime that you want to get rid of and destroy, and Biden is actually propping it up. It's a terrible mistake. 
Well, on that note, uh, we'll just hope that uh, changes come fast on this. Thank you so much for being with us and updating on us on all of this. Morning, Klein. Doctor. In more international news, Biden is being welcomed back into the good old boys club at the G7 summit. French President Emmanuel Macron says that Biden definitely brings the U.S. back into the quote unquote club. But who the heck wants U.S. to be part of some club run by a bunch of European elites? Well, the Democrats and the D.C. elite love that idea. My next guest, though, not a fan. Stephen Moore is back with us. Steve, great to see you. Hi, Gina. Steve, the European leaders, they love Joe Biden, don't they? They sure do, and who wouldn't? You know, Joe Biden went to the G7 meeting in London this weekend, and Gina, he gave away the store. I mean, everything that the Europeans have wanted for 25 years, a harmonized tax system so that uh, we would raise our taxes to reach their high socialist uh, regime taxes, uh, new taxes on American technology companies and other successful companies, which is, you know, the American president should be standing up for American companies, not uh, whacking them. And then, of course, he reiterated his support, Gina, for these crazy climate change deals that will decapitate American energy. And you may have seen last week, Gina, that uh, the Chinese basically, in a, in a spat of honesty, basically said, we don't care about climate change. We're going to grow our economy. We're not going with this green energy agenda. That has not slowed down Joe Biden. Look, it's very simple, Gina. If I offered you a million dollars, you'd say, boy, Steve Moore, he's the greatest guy in the world. I mean, yeah. basically, Biden is, is uh, taking the European position on all of these things, giving away the farm. And it is the furthest thing from Donald Trump, who always put America first during these kinds of negotiations. Steve, the G7 leaders talked a lot about COVID at the summit, and they showed themselves to be hypocrites, basically. Some very viral tweets show that their social distancing is now just for show. Uh, Steve, do they expect us to follow their dictates anymore? You know, uh, uh, it's uh, Herman Cain. Remember Herman Cain? He wrote a book called They Must Think We're Stupid. And I think, I think these, yeah. these leaders around the world think we're stupid. You know, we see what they're doing. You know, in this picture, you see how far apart they are. And then at the parties afterwards, they're yucking it up and, and uh, you know, pr practically standing all over each other. There it is. So, I mean, come on. Do they think we're stupid, Gina? We see through this. And, and they have separate rules for themselves than they impose on the rest of us. They're hypocrites. Yeah. Steve, we have some breaking news from John Solomon at Just the News, who just finished an interview with George P. Bush, who was running for Texas AG. I'm going to play a little of it for you, where John Solomon asked him about the Trump-Bush divide. Listen. Now, I want to get to the $64,000 question, because a lot of people have written a lot about this. That in the era of Trump and the Republican Party, the Bush name maybe is seen as a liability, but you don't see it that way at all. And I wonder if you could explain a little bit just uh, uh, how you navigate that. There's perception and there's reality. Uh, a lot of your policies are directly aligned with all of the conservative policies, not only President Trump, but going back generations to, to, your, your, to your family. How do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with that issue on the trail and in, in the media and places where it comes up? Well, make no mistake, President Trump is the life of the Republican Party. He has brought a new sense of energy. He's brought new voters. I mean, I remind folks in Texas that he carried Zapata County. This is on the border, one of the poorest areas of the state, uh, over 90 percent Hispanic, and yet he carried it, uh, almost carrying Hidalgo County as well. 
through his message of economic opportunity, free markets, but most importantly, border security. Um, so his message resonates in, in new communities and has brought new voters. As a Bush, I, of course, I love my dad and my uncle and my grandfather, and I try to honor their legacy. Um, and they brought me and I have them to thank for me being in the position that I'm at. Uh, but the reality is, and I make this argument all the time when I'm with them, is that uh, President Trump is the future of the party. Uh, we need to carry on the successes that we've had this past November in our state, helping to elect new down ballot candidates and carry on this legacy. Because, you know, in short order, I said this last summer where I said President Trump is the only thing standing between our country and socialism. And people laughed at me and said, well, that's just election hyperbole. But as it turns out, you know, with about $10 trillion of additional spending on top of $25 trillion yeah. in national debt, I mean, our children or grandchildren are facing a size of government that they can never afford. And um, yeah. this is no longer about our generation, John. This is about our kids and our grandchildren. And, and among younger people, polling is showing that two of three young Americans are open to socialism. So I take this threat very seriously. Biden, you know, he didn't really campaign. He was in the in the basement for most of the time. But right. in, in, when he did communicate with the media, he did say, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a sensible Democrat from the middle. And we've seen anything but that. So to me, you've got to look at the, the total picture here. And our country needs to have a recovery of conservative ideas. And I hope it starts with the House and Senate. Steve, he's running, of course, against Ken Paxton, uh, Trump's superhero, who uh, the MAGA movement absolutely loves. Um, do you take him at his word? Yeah, I do. I, I think it was great and very diplomatic answer. Um, I, I like J.P. Bush a lot. I think he's a he's a great, uh, you know, young star of the Republican Party. But you know, it's, I was thinking, you know, there's some really interesting young stars. In the uh, in the Trump family as well, Don Jr. and Ivanka. So we might we might be seeing a Bush versus a Trump, you know, in in the years to come. But I think it's important we kind of unify right now the Bush kind of wing of the party and the Trump wing of the party to defeat Biden. And um, so I thought it was a good answer. And and uh, I think the voters will decide that race that you're talking about. But I, I was very pleased for him not to be criticizing Trump because it's true. Right now, Trump is the most popular Republican in the United States, and for good reason. The, have you noticed, the longer Biden is president, the better Trump looks. Yeah, absolutely. And even, I think, to many in the middle and even some on the left, his point about him being the line between, uh, Trump being the line between the United States and socialism, uh, freedom and socialism, you've made that point many times. Uh, that's right. And by the way, Trump, going back to what we were just talking about, about that G7 meeting, I mean, Trump was just went crazy on this. He said, everything I worked for to make the Europeans pay more for for their NATO and for their own defense, to protect American industry, to basically put America first and to put American values first. That was all flushed away by Joe Biden. I thought it almost bordered on an unpatriotic uh, speech. And, and boy, I thought that was Trump at his best when he would tell these international leaders, be more like us. Joe Biden wants America to be more like Europe. I don't want any part of that, Gina. I don't know about you. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I think, you know, the more we watch Joe Biden function and say things like he can't remember that he's president, uh, wandering into a civilian cafeteria at the G7 summit, I understand, um, you know, and, and then handing out gifts to who, pretty much anyone who will take them at the taxpayer expense, I think it proves that uh, Stephen Moore has been right on these things all along. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Stephen. Have a great week ahead. You too. Coming up. We have some news that you didn't know, and we're going to show you the teeny tiny version of the Statue of Liberty that France just sent us that has become a little bit of a laughing matter on social media. That's next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay clear. There are places far from home that I dream when I'm Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's time again for some news you didn't know. And here to help, as always, from our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, Jessica Rivera. Jessica, great to see you. Good to see you, too, Dr. Gina. Well, Dr. Gina, next school year, instead of saying, have a happy Thanksgiving or a Merry Christmas, one New Jersey school district will be saying, have a happy day off and have a merry day off. Let me explain. In Morris County, New Jersey, the school board has unanimously voted to remove all holiday names from their academic calendar. The decision comes after the backlash the school board actually received over renaming Columbus Day Indigenous Peoples Day without any public notice. So Dr. Gina, now traditional holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas will just say day off on the calendar. Board member Doreen Roche says, quote, if they don't have anything on the calendar, then we don't have anyone with hurt feelings or anything like that, end quote. Other board members are saying the school should just follow whatever the government does. Wow, I just, I have no words. You know, I'm so tired of paying attention to people's feelings, Jessica. Uh, and how about we just go back to what all the holidays always were for hundreds of years before we decided to worry about people's feelings. But anyway, Jessica, thank you for that. You're welcome. All right, Joe Biden, big embarrassment on the world stage, and he just keeps forgetting that he is president. Kevin McCullough wrote a great column about that at Town Hall this weekend, and he joins me now. Kevin, great to see you. Hey, Dr. Gina, always good to see you, and happy Flag Day. Happy Flag Day, Kevin. Biden keeps saying he forgets he's president. He keeps saying his staff doesn't like when he answers questions that reporters throw at him. Uh, it doesn't seem like Biden is running things, but who is running things? I just want you to stop and think for a second, Doctor. Can you, for the life of for the life of you, believe that even for half a second, Donald Trump ever forgot that he was president of the United States, or Barack Obama, or Bill Clinton, or George Bush, for that matter? I mean, every day you wake up, you're driven in cars, uh, helicopters, airplanes, none of which don't uh, none of them belong to you, and you go places and you do things that nobody else does. How he keeps forgetting, like when he's addressing the audiences of our nation's military, that he's the commander in chief. I just, I have no idea. But no, and and it speaks to the drive and passion of why he's there. Like if you don't even remember that you're the guy that's got the job, 
why did you want the job to begin with? It, it kind of defies explanation. Well, some people call it elder abuse, and I don't think that that's going too far. But um, we sure do appreciate it. And I want everybody to check out your column at Town Hall, Kevin McCullough's column there. Don't forget to check it out. All right, Kevin, it is time for our meme of the day. And Kevin, our guys in Denver made this meme of the day. France is sending out a new Statue of Liberty, but she will be just nine feet tall. And that's probably meant to represent the shrinking list of liberties we have left in America. Kevin, you've got to agree with this one. Well, I, I, I've always thought it was a little bit of an embarrassment that it was France that we had to get our Statue of Liberty from to begin with, uh, <laughs> given how many times yeah. they've dropped weapons never used in the lack of defense of their own freedoms. However, having said that, there is a point uh, here. I mean, if you don't think that we are under attack at every, at every end, uh, just take a look at uh, what's going on day in and day out. Uh, this administration, this current government, wanting to take as many of those away so that they can decide for you. And you and I were talking about this on the radio earlier today. Until we decide that we've had enough and start pushing back, they're going to be successful. We've got to do it in every state, in every neighborhood, in every part of this country. Absolutely. And as Kevin just mentioned, I do his radio show on Mondays. At least that's always the plan. And he does this show at night. It's kind of nice. We've been friends for a long time. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, ma'am. And happy Flag Day. And happy Flag Day. All right. And thanks to you for joining me tonight. And thanks to everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children. Love your God. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.